Welcome to the Verbal Motivation Podcast, where we talk about the things that motivate our lives, our religion, and our relationships. My name is Nathan Vale. If you would like to comment on this or other episodes, please leave me a voicemail at 530-876-4153, or you can send me an email to verbalmotivation at gmail.com. This is episode number 17 called The Greatest Sacrifice. Imagine standing in front of the scale in your bathroom. You want to lose weight, but you haven't made any particular effort this week to exercise or eat right. But before stepping onto the scale, you say a quick word to the scale asking it to read a little bit lower than it did last week. Well, that sounds crazy, yet that is what many of us are doing in sacrament meeting on Sunday if we give no consideration to what we are doing and the sacred nature of how it came to be until that moment when we are presented the emblems of Jesus Christ. It's not just ineffective. It could even be considered an insult. Consider this example. I was driving home from the temple one day pondering what we had learned about the creation of the world, the Garden of Eden, and the fall of Adam and Eve. I wondered to myself, How long did Adam and Eve live in the Garden of Eden before the fall? And what did they do all that time? In Genesis chapter 2, it says that Adam gave names to all the animals, which I think speaks to the fact that they had a relationship, not unlike the way we do now with our furry family members. I know several people that don't have kids, and their animals are their kids. It's more than just a casual relationship for many of us. I couldn't help but think how difficult it must have been for Adam and Eve when, after leaving the Garden of Eden, were commanded to sacrifice one of these precious animals on the altar. Just like when Abraham slowly made his way to the top of Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son Isaac, I wonder how slow they were to bring that perfect lamb to the altar. I can imagine a tear rolling down their cheeks as Adam raised the knife into the air. I don't think we truly comprehend how hard that must have been. This begs the question, why would the Lord ask him to do such a thing? We know why. From Adam to Moses and from Moses until Jesus Christ, this was required as a similitude of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God, the only perfect person ever to live on the earth, was lifted upon a cross and died for us. I think Adam and Eve understood in that moment more than any others just how hard it must have been for our Father in heaven to allow his only begotten Son to be crucified. As it happens, I was teaching the older young men that week who were pre-stage about sacrifice and Jesus Christ. Right before class began, I ran home and got my chocolate lab Ginger. She is a service dog and the most lovable animal you can imagine. When I returned, all the young men had formed a circle with their chairs and were waiting for me. One of them happened to be my son, Alex. As I walked in with Ginger, you can imagine the excitement that filled the room. I put Ginger in the middle of the circle and gave her the command to sit. As all the boys smiled with anticipation, I said, This is a dog. I shrugged my shoulders as indifferently as I could. It's no different than any other dog. I could trade this animal for any other, and it wouldn't matter, really. In fact, I don't even know why we bother giving it a name. I let that hang for a moment, and I could see disagreement forming on the faces of the boys. 
Alex in particular. I said, this is just a dog, right, Alex? Everyone looked at him. He didn't know at first how to answer because my question was so absurd. I could just go and get any other dog and that would be just as good, don't you think? I could see he was getting frustrated. As you can imagine, Alex loves our dog, maybe even more than his siblings do. He gets upset at us at home if we don't stop and greet Ginger and give her the attention she deserves when we arrive. I invited Alex to come to the front of the class. I said, Alex, is it true that you love this dog? He agreed with some enthusiasm. Is it true that I am also your father? He again agreed, but with less enthusiasm. I told everyone that I had served a mission in Hungary, and while there I picked up several interesting trinkets, one of which was a Russian bayonet knife. As I said that, I reached to the small of my back and pulled out the six-inch knife. As I drew it from its sheath, you could hear it sharpening itself against the inside of the housing. I then explained to them the story of Adam and Eve and asked them to consider how hard it must have been for those two who loved their animals at least as much as we do today to be asked to sacrifice one of them. Then I posed the same question to them. Why would God ask them to do such a thing? I told Alex he could sit down and take Ginger with him, which he did with a smile, and after much petting I regained the attention of the class, and I asked them, When we take the sacrament, do we consider what sacrifice was made to make that moment possible? How important we must be as individuals that our Heavenly Father would allow His Son to do what had to be done, coming to earth and giving no offense, yet being raised on a cross for all mankind. Just as we name what we love, our Father in Heaven has given each of us a name. We are called under His name, and we are His. Being named is a sign of being someone. When you are given a name, you belong. Think of it. What is the first thing we do with our children when they are born? We give them a name, and once we have, it feels more like they belong to us. When we give our friends and loved ones nicknames that no one else uses, it's a sign that we belong to each other. There's a special relationship there. I was teaching a class years ago, and a woman raised her hand and said that she felt at times that she had made too many mistakes to be forgiven, a sentiment that many of us have felt at different times in our lives. Imagine meeting the Savior in the next life, and as you embrace, you say to him, that sacrifice you made was a really nice try. I mean, it was a great effort and all, but it wasn't quite enough for me. Well, that's ridiculous. Yet, that's exactly what we are saying any time we even think that we are too far gone, that our sins are too great to be forgiven. In Luke 5, Jesus rebukes that idea, saying, quote, And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered, saying unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or say, Rise up and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. 
unquote. Jesus showed us by raising the dead and healing the sick that he has the power to wash away our sins. I saw an interesting program recently that lends itself to this point. It was about a personal trainer that goes around the country finding people who are morbidly overweight and helps them get back to a normal size. The fascinating thing was that at the end of each program, when the person had done all the work and had lost all the fat, they were covered with giant folds of skin that would never return to normal size. At that point in the show, he introduced them to a special surgeon who removed all the skin that they could not remove themselves no matter how much work they put into it. Similarly, Jesus is that surgeon for us. He is waiting patiently for us to change so he can remove the sins that we cannot remove ourselves. The sacrament that we take each week came at great sacrifice, but has the power to make us whole again, and again, and again, if we do it in remembrance of the blood which was shed for us, and always remember him. My name is Nathan Vale. And this is the Verbal Motivation Podcast.